Who is Riley Gaines, and why was she assaulted at the campus of San Francisco State University? Why is an iconic American beer brand now putting a proverbial skirt on its beer cans and serving them to its customers? And why should we celebrate capitalism this week? All of this in a bonus Dictionary Wars segment, all in today's program. I'm your host of Narrative Wars, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. You don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired. Hey, thank you for joining us for another episode of Narrative Wars. If you're just joining us and this is the first time that you are listening to the program, I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance. This is the program where we disassemble, where we take apart, where we uh, look at the mainstream media narrative and we say, no, not going to put up with that nonsense anymore. Mm -mm, Not going to do it. Now, this first story that we're going to look at has to do with the former college swimmer, and her name is Riley Gaines, and she was assaulted at an event on the campus of San Francisco State University. Let's listen to cut number two. Former college swimmer Riley Gaines says she was assaulted after giving a speech at San Francisco State University. Now, I just want to point out real quickly, you hear the person say, are you ready? And then another person says, trans rights are human rights. And then you hear the crowd mindless, mindlessly repeating this, trans rights are human rights. Okay, this is fantastic, folks, because what we're seeing here is Marxism 101. It's a free, no cost, free course at San Francisco State University. Of course, I'm kidding, but the point is that these people are being trained. They're being trained how to be ideological Marxists. They're being trained on what to do, how to oppose someone who doesn't agree with you. Well, disrespect, forget the Constitution. Forget the Constitution of the United States. Just shout louder, act more childish, and scream trans rights or human rights. That's what you need to do. Congratulations, administration and faculty of San Francisco State University. It's Marxism 101, an unofficial, non-credit course. Gaines was there to talk about her opposition to transgender athletes in women's sports. She posted this video. It shows her moving quickly while surrounded by campus security. It does not, however, appear to show anyone striking her. Natasha Chen has more on the incident. Now, this happened Thursday evening, and she said that uh, there were people who 
uh, ambushed her and struck her twice. She said that she was struck twice and it hit her shoulder, that one of the uh, punches hit, grazed her face, and that campus police had to bring her to a separate room. Now, in speaking with the Turning Point USA spokesperson, uh, he wasn't physically there but spoke to three members who were in the room. He said that uh, this was actually a very civil discussion. The event itself went on peacefully, even though the room was full of people who both agreed with and disagreed with Gaines, that there was constructive debate, and that this disruption happened as the event was wrapping up. Uh, he said he was texting with Gaines as she was locked in a computer room with campus police as protesters were at the door, and that he said it took a, a couple of hours eventually for San Francisco police to come and disperse the crowd and escort Gaines out of there. Now, a couple important takeaways here. The story has to do with Riley Gaines. Now, she was a NCAA uh, swimmer, and she competed against a fake woman named Leah Thomas, okay? A trans athlete, fake woman, Leah Thomas. So what does this mean? What does this mean for women's sports? What does this mean in particular for collegiate women's sports? Well, I guess Title IX goes out the window. I guess women are no longer honored. I guess women's sports uh, is going to be destroyed because there's going to be fake men who are becoming fake women. Fake in terms of they have no respect. They have no respect for themselves. They have no respect for who they are or their important role in society in terms of upholding women, of honoring women. So these fake men who are now fake women are not going to uphold women. They're not going to uphold the decency, the honor of women. No, they're not going to stand up for women. In fact, they're going to crush them in sports. So here's how it goes, folks. This is going to be the new trend, unfortunately, unless people stand up, unless courageous, unless more courageous people like Riley Gaines stand up. What we're going to see is we're going to see more and more mediocre men, mediocre male athletes uh, who really can't get on the podium because, well, they just, you know, that's sports, folks. Everybody doesn't get a trophy. Everybody doesn't get to stand on the, the podium. Okay, that's ridiculous. That's not the way it works. Everybody doesn't get a gold medal when they go to the Olympics. Suck it up, buttercup. That's the way it works. Anyway, so this person who now goes by Leah Thomas one day said, hey, Wow, I really want to be able to stand on that podium. You know, I just, I just think that 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 would just be so honoring to my friends and my family and to me, me, me. It's all about me, folks. This is the most narcissistic plan. So, so Leah Thomas concocted this plan. Okay, well, this trans thing is going around. The emperor has uh, no clothes, but nobody gives a rip. So, hey, I'm just going to uh, go into my house and emerge a number of months later with longer hair, lipstick. I'll put on a dress and walk out with my Barbie doll and say, hey, I'm a woman now and everybody's going to embrace me and I'm going to be able to compete against the women and crush them and stand on that podium proudly uh, while at the same time crushing women's sports. So, yep, this apparently is the new trend. And my question is, whatever happened to the feminist? 
whatever happened to the feminists that, uh, you know, the, the feminists that uh, push for the, the woman's vote, that's a good thing, that push for women getting equal pay in the marketplace, that's a good thing. So what, whatever happened to these courageous feminists that push for a number of equal rights uh, initiatives for women, which make a lot of sense to me, but now they're not standing up for Riley Gaines. No, they're okay with Riley Gaines getting crushed with a fake woman standing on the podium now and with women's sports being demolished, eviscerated, torn in two, shredded in front of everyone's eyes. This is a travesty which is happening before our eyes. Now, Riley Gaines was also assaulted after the speech, and here's what Riley Gaines had to say, quote, I was physically assaulted by one person. I was struck twice, both times hitting my shoulder with the second strike grazing my face. This is what Gaines told CNN's Natasha Chen. Gaines continues, the rest of the protesters just ambushed and cornered me before I was able to move out and with the help of the campus police. Now, the campus police did escort her out of the room uh, when she spoke, but then she wasn't able, and as a turning point, you know, USA spokesperson said the event went well uh, while they were in the classroom uh, because the nutters were not in the classroom. The nutters were outside of the classroom. They were outside of the place where the event took place. It might have been a small auditorium. I'm not sure. But the point is when she came out of the place where she spoke, when the event essentially was concluded, uh, she was mobbed by the crazy Wokeovites. Well, the campus police escorted her, and then she was barricaded for hours, uh, and she missed her airplane flight. Hmm. Where are the feminists? Why aren't they speaking up and say this was wrong for Riley Gaines to be assaulted? This was wrong for Riley Gaines to be hit? This was wrong for her to be trapped in a room? and have to wait for the real police to show up. The San Francisco City Police had to show up later and disperse the crowd, and then she was able to leave um, the campus safely. What happened to those feminists who stand up for other women? Oh, <laughs> didn't read the fine print. The fine print says, no, if you're a feminist, you can't stand up for women if those women are opposed to fake women competing against them in collegiate sports. Oops. Oops. Yep, that's what's going on here. It's in the fine print. It's in the it's in the Nutter Marxist manifesto. Uh-huh, that's what's going on. Let's move on to the next story. Okay, in the next story, we've got Bud Light. Bud Light hired a new vice president of marketing. Well, okay, that's fine. You know, they, Bud Light can do whatever they want. And apparently, the brand needed some refreshing. It needed to become lighter. It needed to become more inclusive and more engaging. And they hired just the perfect person, Alyssa Heinerscheid. And she is the new uh, vice president of marketing for Budweiser. Let's listen to her pontificate on what the brand now needs. Okay, this is Elizabeth Heinerscheid. Well, I'm a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract 
young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. Oh, Bud Light had been a brand of fratty, out of touch people. Oh, that's funny. Bud Light and the Anheuser-Busch brand uh, has been dominating the beer market for decades, absolutely dominating it. Well, Anheuser-Busch has about 100 different brands, and they've got brand marketing VPs, probably for each brand. And so she got hired to give Bud Light a fresh look, a fresh uh, appeal, more inclusive, okay? And so there was a backlash. There was a backlash, and uh, certain customers are not happy. Customers in those, you know, those flyover states, customers that uh, are in the Midwest, they're not too happy about this. Now, who is Heinerscheid? Uh, In 2022, she became the first woman to lead Bud Light, the largest beer brand in the industry. The largest beer brand in the industry. And how is she doing? Not very well. In the company's 40-year history, the largest beer brand has never had a woman. So they decided to hire a woman. That's fine. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. She said she had a mandate from the company from the very beginning to evolve the brand and make it more inclusive. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we're just going to diss the majority of customers. We don't really feel that it's important that the majority of people that drink Bud Light are men. So we're going to hire a woman VP exec. We're going to blow up the brand and we're going to go look for women to be a part of beer drinking in terms of consuming Bud Light. She's been personally attacked by the brand's decision to be represented by Mulvaney. Now, who is Mulvaney? Well, (laughs) this person is another trans activist. And uh, Mulvaney was an, basically, he was an, a, an actor. Uh, he was on, on Broadway and uh, he decided uh, to do this whole shtick, this whole stunt over 365 days uh, on Twitter. And now I'm transitioning to a woman. Look, the guy is an actor. That is what he does. And now he's grifting the rest of America. And he has become a social influencer. And uh, so Bud Light hired this person, hired Mulvaney to represent the brand. Hired Mulvaney to represent the brand. His name is Dylan Mulvaney. And uh, 
So this is very interesting. And the story, like every single day right now, this is hot in the news. And there was another breaking story, which we're going to give you an update uh, regarding this. Okay, so let's continue. Now, who is Dylan Mulvaney? Well, he doesn't need corporate partnerships. He needs to hear the truth. This is an interesting piece by Hans Fein, and this is in The Federalist. Fein makes the observation that femininity is a treasure to protect and defend. It's not an object to possess and pervert. Someone who loves Dylan Mulvaney should tell him that. Wow. Wow. That kind of takes apart the mainstream media narrative, doesn't it? The article continues, In recent months, a transgender-identifying TikToker named Dylan Mulvaney has built a profile for himself that is equal parts impressive and repulsive. A major reason Mulvaney has succeeded in growing his name recognition is the publicity he's received from woke institutions. He got the red carpet treatment at the Grammys. Um, Drew Barrymore acknowledged him and took a knee on her TV show. He did a sit-down interview with the president. Oh, my goodness. This is the president who gets lost on the stage and the Easter Bunny tells him where to go. And now Mulvaney has become a spokesperson for Bud Light, and they've put Mulvaney's face on beer cans. Yeah. Okay, this is who Mulvaney is. He's, he's basically grifting all of us, being a fake woman and on his way to make bank bucks for uh, becoming the emperor who's wearing no clothes. He's a male. He's a male, okay? After some social media backlash, Anheuser-Busch released a statement clarifying that we shouldn't expect to see Mulvaney's beer can eyes staring at us in the booze aisle at our local grocery store, but also reaffirming its support of him. So and Anheuser-Busch has doubled down on this insanity. Anheuser-Busch, quote, works with hundreds of influencers across our band, brands and is one of many ways to authentically connect with the audience across various dem demographics and passion points. From time to time, we produce unique commemorative cans for fans and for brand influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. Well, look, uh, the majority of bud drinkers are men. The majority of bud drinkers are not interested in Dylan Mulvaney or even the thought of his face on a bud can. The majority of bar owners don't want people coming into their bars or restaurants and sitting at the bar and saying, hey, I'd like to order one of those trans beers. Can you, can you bring it to me? And just, you know, put that cute little skirt around it. Uh, and then someone else says, Hey, we don't want that trans bear in here. And then the next thing you have a fight. Okay, I'm just making that up. I don't know if that has ever happened. But the point is, people that own bars and restaurants, they just want to do business, okay? They want to serve food. They want to have an atmosphere where people can come and relax and they can uh, have a conversation. Light beer has the least amount of alcohol in it. And it's a very important category, has been for, for decades. Remember those ads that we used to hear? Less filling, tastes great. 
they they had some very clever ads, and Anheuser Busch had those Clydesdale horses. Um, I just heard that uh, in a town just recently, uh, the Clydesdale horses uh, were yanked from the, a parade just in the last week, and the reason was that uh, people were so upset about fake woman. Dylan Mulvaney being on Budweiser beer cans. Now, the light beer market, this is very interesting, and it's not that difficult to, um, to pull up a uh, market report on the light beer market. But it has been in decline, but not really because they're doing anything wrong. This is normal. This is what happens uh, with any brand. You've got the early adoption phase. You've got the growth phase. You've got the plateau phase. And then you've got a decline phase. So they're all, the light, all the light brands are going through uh, pla- uh, this phase and through decline. Why? They're going through it because there's competition. And there's a lot of interest in the craft beers. You see this. There's always something new. This is the way capitalism works. And uh, people may not want to drink the same thing all the time. Uh, So, you know, that's... Look, that's why when you go into a restaurant, there's many, many choices. People don't want to just order the same thing every single time. And so this is what's happening Craft beers uh, have a certain appeal. Foreign beers have a certain appeal. And so there's a lot of choices in the marketplace. That's the way capitalism works. That's capitalism 101. So a couple of important talking points here. Dylan Mulvaney is a man. And uh, so he's a man who the VP of marketing um, has decided to represent a male-dominated product. Beer, particularly light beer. But he's a fake man who's pretending to be a woman. That is offensive to many of the customers who drink Bud Light. Secondly, the light beer category is a specialty category, okay? And so we have to understand that as a specialty category, uh, there are certain things that are important. Uh, Of course, yes, less calories, but also the light beer category is a important category in and of itself. It has certain threats against it. It has certain strengths. And uh, the VP of marketing basically should have done her homework. Third, the entire light beer category, yes, it has been losing market share. And as we mentioned, craft beers and foreign beers have been encroaching upon that market share. And finally, parent company Anheuser-Busch, it remains a leader in the beer industry with over 100 100 brands. And we talked about that. They've got many, many brand managers. And this new VP marketing at uh, Bud Light is only one of many. Uh, The company itself, Anheuser-Busch, is over 160 years old. So breaking news, John Rich, who owns a... um, uh, establishment in Nashville. He said, he just announced uh, this morning, the 12th of April, 2023. He announced that people aren't ordering Bud Light. He's got cases of this stuff back in the refrigerator, in storage. People aren't ordering it. There's other stories coming in from distributors who are going to their uh, different clients. You know, they could be liquor stores, they could be restaurants, they could be bars. 
It's not being ordered. People are just saying no. They're voting no with their dollars. That's the way it works in capitalism, folks. This is a great example of capitalism. This is capitalism 101. The customer is the person who is the most important. The customer is in charge. And uh, people don't understand that. Apparently, the geniuses at Anheuser-Busch don't understand that their customer is important because the customer is saying, hey, I don't want woke ideology shoved down my brain I don't want to drink your beer. I'm going to drink something else. And if you lose millions of dollars and people lose their jobs, we really don't give a flippity-do-rip. So, yeah, that's uh, where you can uh, take your uh, beer can and place it, you know, where the sun don't shine. Well, let's move on uh, to... uh, We've got a great story coming up here. Let's move on to Dictionary Wars. Okay, let's take a look at this word inclusive. Now, the VP marketing of Bud Light kept using this. We want something that's lighter. We want something that's more inclusive. We want something that uh, is going to include uh, women as well as men. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Except traditionally, beer has been a category which has been dominated by men. And Basically, there's a reason for that. Beer's been uh, consumed over hundreds of years. I believe it was called mead way back in the day. But that's the uh, that's another story. Let's take a look at this term, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we don't have time to look at both diversity and equity. We'll take a look at those in future episodes and future segments of Dictionary Wars. But in this segment, we're just going to look at the word inclusion. So what does inclusion really mean? What, if we take this apart, what does it really mean? It seems to be a rather non-threatening term, you know, inclusion. Well, you know, we're going to put together a football team and we're going to include as many players as we can on the campus to be on the team. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's what we used to think inclusion meant. You know, everybody can try out, you know, and and everybody has an equal shot. No, that's not what it means. Inclusion now means that you must include any ideology that the political left wing is pushing, is advancing. You must not only include it, you have to embrace that political ideology. So if the political left is saying that trans athletes, it's okay for fake men to be swimming at the collegiate level and destroying women's sports, that's okay. That's okay. We need to include those people. We need to include them. Number two, you will be branded a bigot and a homophobe or a phobic person and any other derogatory term if you resist. It is futile to resist. Remember that? Remember that phrase from the Star Trek movies? We are the Borg. It is futile to resist. Well, in this case, we are the Wokevites. We are the ideological Looney Tunes on the college campus. It is futile to resist. So you will be branded a bigot and a phobic, hating person if you resist. The now political left current advancing 
ideological nuttiness that's on the campus. And third, inclusion is a good thing. Yeah, of course, it's a good thing. And resisting the narrative is racist. Oh, it's racist. You look, when every other card can't be played, there it is. It's the racist card. And so inclusion is a good thing. If you resist the narrative, you are racist. You are not only racist, you're xenophobic. You hate this racial group. You hate that group. You hate another group. And you hate any other new protected class that comes up. You know, those people that identify with uh, animals. I think they call them furries. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, they're not even humans anymore. They're furries and they eat out of a uh, dog bowl. Okay. Yeah, that's another interesting story. It's out there. And any other derogatory term de jour, you will be called if you resist. It is futile to resist. Okay. Any other ridiculous narrative that the left can come up with. How about the term birthing person? They just crossed out mother, birthing person. Well, that's because men can have babies and women can have babies. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I, I guess an elephant can give birth to a human being too, you know. And if you say that's wrong, then you're an elephant hater, I guess. Uh, the left can manufacture any ridiculous talking point now and if you oppose it, you're not inclusive. That's what inclusive means. And I'm sorry, I'm throwing the red flag on the field and I'm saying I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to put up with this mind game, with this ridiculous narrative. I'm pushing back and that's what we do here together at Narrative Wars. So what is the true purpose of inclusion? Well, it's not to make society a better place. No, inclusion for these Marxists means we're going to tear down the socialization process. We're going to tear down classic Western Judeo-Christian values. We're going to replace them with Marxism. We're going to replace them with class warfare. And we're going to place them with a godless, soulless, hopeless, or nihilistic world view. Well, you know, a person named Paul had something to say about this, rather prescient. Let's see what Paul had to say. He said, quote, They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters. They're insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. That is a perfect definition of the ideological loonies who we're calling on this show the Wokeavites. That's Romans 1, 29 to 31. Well, we want to say again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. The program is just getting off the ground, and we are getting some fantastic feedback from our audience, and uh, we want to thank you. Please give us a five-star rating, follow the show, and if you know 
other people, if you have other friends who are like-minded, who are tired of the Wokevite uh, BS, who are throwing the flag on the field and saying, no, I'm not going to take this anymore, please share and like this program and let your friends know. Now let's move on to the next piece. Capitalism is a beautiful thing. Well, it really is. And what we're seeing here is that as the Wolkevites pursue, the emperor has no clothes and try to open up our brains and stuff it with a uh, fistful of nonsense. Uh, we're seeing right before our eyes capitalism in perfect display. Capitalism in perfect display. Look, don't believe all the nonsense about capitalism doesn't work. It does work. And in fact, people vote with their dollars. I love it. Uh, John Rich in the, the city of Nashville has uh, told us and observed that um, people just aren't ordering Bud Lights. So a number of bar uh, owners and restaurant owners, uh, they're just canceling Anheuser-Busch completely. And uh, it could be multiple brands uh, in their restaurants, in their establishments. So let's take a look at this um, piece here having to do with capitalism. Now, one of the first things that we need to do, which is so important, this comes from the economist Thomas Sowell, he explains that there are three critical social structures that need to be in place for capitalism to work properly. The first is private property. The second is markets. And the third is the rule of law. Now, private property has to do with the ownership, people being allowed to own something. And you notice that what's happening with these crazy new world order people, we're talking about Klaus Schwab, we're talking about the World Economic Forum, they want to take away your private property. Look on the interweb, folks. Look on FakeTube. You're going to see these ads that were put out at the very beginning of the whole pandemic, and they said, you'll be happy and you will own nothing. That's what they said. You'll be happy and you will own nothing. And then, of course, we're going to give you guaranteed income. And uh, then you'll just sort of rent your house and the government will, uh, they will provide for you. They will feed you. They will change your diaper as a child. They will educate you and they will bury you when you die. Is that how you want to live? I'm saying, hell no. I'm saying, no, we're throwing the red flag on the field. So the first thing that uh, Thomas Sowell says is, is an important, it's like a three-legged stool, okay? Private property, markets, and rule of law. If you don't get anything else out of the show, private property, markets, and rule of law. Private property means you actually have the ability to buy a house, buy a car, and yes, I understand that the bank owns your house uh, because you're paying loans, but hopefully someday you'll pay it off because that is the entire goal. You want to pay off that car. You want to pay off that house. You want to work towards that as being a goal. And the other important point about private property is something called discretional income. Discretional income. Now, discretional income is where you have the choice. You have the choice to go see this movie. You have the choice to go see this football game or that baseball game or take somebody out to the restaurant and spend money on some new clothes, some new shoes. 
hey, look, in a number of nations, which are poor and developing nations, the people don't have discretional income. In fact, the children, these pictures are very sad, but the, what the children do that when they grow, they just cut out the toe of the shoe and then their feet grow out. Uh, so at least they've got something underneath their feet, even though the toes hang out from the front. I'm not making this up stuff up. You can look, and uh, it is a uh, uh, something that is out there on the uh, interweb. Anyway, the point is discretional income. They want to take that away from you. The WEF, Klaus Schwab, and his uh, crazy one-world order loonies want to take that away from you. The second point is markets. Now, what we're talking about is not going to the grocery store, not going to what we used to call the drugstore or the market. No, we're talking about places where you can go to exchange goods and services. Now, this is something that goes back thousands of years and uh, people would come and uh, in, uh, gee, Going back as far as we can remember, people would go to open markets, and they still do this in many countries, and uh, we call it a farmer's market. You can, you can still see that, and there are farmers that come. They come with their uh, food that they've grown, and then people come with their money, and there's an exchange of goods and services for a pre-agreed upon fiat currency that is used in that society. So there needs to be, or it's important for there to be markets, places where buyers and sellers can meet. Now, we don't have to go to a marketplace anymore. It's not necessary. It's not uh, mandatory to get in your car or go to a certain place physically in order to exchange goods and services. People can do that virtually now uh, over the internet. They can do it over the phone. They can do it in private meetings and restaurants. They've been doing that uh, over uh, having uh, business meetings, uh, business dinners, business lunches. It happens all across America. And now they're doing it in virtual public squares, such as uh, the uh, Facebook Marketplace or eBay. The point is there's a place where people can meet, goods and services can be exchanged, and uh, you're not going to be robbed, you're not going to be pilfered, you're not going to be attacked, you're not going to beat up and be beat up and someone's going to steal your money, and you're not going to be able to uh, purchase that those goods or services. It's a place where you can come in a safe uh, exchange of goods and services. Now, the third point is the rule of law. The rule of law. Now, this is very important because one of the purposes of government is to provide for certain basic services. The rule of law is very important in a free uh, market economy. Free market economy is, a I prefer that to capitalism because capitalism is not an ideological-ism like socialism. It's not like communism. This is a place that is um, not dominated by a totalitarian few that are telling everyone, you must be able to give up all your money. You must be able to give up your property. You will own nothing and be happy. Okay, that is the Marxist, communist uh, ideology uh, that is being pushed by the World Economic Forum. Capitalism doesn't work that. It's a free market economy. People have discretional income, okay? They come to markets where they can freely meet buyers and sellers, exchange goods and services, and then there's the rule of law. The government allows 
for this activity to take place. The government protects it. In fact, the founding fathers were so clever, um, they put into the United States Constitution rather brilliantly, they created a right to something called intellectual property. Now, when we think of property, we usually think of something we can touch, feel, smell, that sort of thing. Well, if it's a pizza, I guess you can taste it too. There are things that are also property which you cannot touch, smell, taste, feel, can't put it on a scale, you can't weigh it, and that is intellectual property. And the founding fathers of the United States thought that it was important to protect uh, intellectual property. Under Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, it reads, quote, Congress shall have power to promote the progress of science, the useful arts, by securing for limited times to authors and inventors, the exclusive right, that's a copyright, to their respective writings and discoveries. So when things are discovered, you can have a patent, okay? The toaster can be patented. You can have a patent for the toaster. And you can have a patent for practically anything if you show that there has unique properties uh, which are worthy of it and there are criteria that need to be met in order for something to have a patent. But uh, most of us know this. If we've gone to school, just look on the back of a uh, an appliance and it will say the patent and the patent number. But you can also have patents for intellectual property. This is why we had this multi billion dollar multinational corporation called Microsoft because Microsoft had the intellectual rights to their code. Microsoft had the intellectual rights to their software, to the DOS, the dis-operating system. And IBM said, ah, that's not that important. The money's in the hardware. Ha! <laughs> the money's in the hardware. Guess not. Nope, nope, wrong-o, wrong-o. And uh, Microsoft is now one of the most powerful multinational corporations in the entire world. Bill Gates is one of the most richest men in the entire world. And uh, of course, he's making friends with Klaus Schwab, and he wants to take over the world so that uh, people will own nothing. You will own nothing, and you will be happy. Okay, so yeah, Bill Gates has buddied up with Mr. Schwab over there in Germany, and uh, basically he did it because of the free market system, the free market system that was set up. Intellectual property has done some amazing things. Um, so anyway, you can do what you want with your money, and that is what Bill Gates has been doing with his money. Now, getting back to, well, just to summarize quickly, the three pillars of capitalism or the free market economy, according to economist Thomas Sowell, number one, private property, number two, markets, and number three, the rule of law. Now, getting back to Anheuser-Busch, the VP of marketing of Anheuser-Busch is treating customers who consume Bud Light like children. She is telling them, you must agree with us and you must celebrate our new anointed trans activist beer spokesperson, Dylan Mulvaney. 
Well, you know, uh, the customers are saying, hell no, we ain't going to drink your beer. Sorry, there's many choices out there in America, and this is the way America works. We don't have a social credit system here in the United States of America. We aren't dinged in our bank accounts. We aren't restricted like you are in commie China. We're not restricted. So if we say, nope, don't agree, we text a friend, we tell someone no, we stop spending dollars on that, we're free to do that. This is the beautiful thing about the United States of America. We have the right to do that. Um, and we're going to lose that right if we don't speak up. We're going to lose that right. So please, folks, if you're enjoying this show, if you're getting something out of it, if you're learning something today, then please, uh, five-star rate, like, follow this program, and pass it on to other like-minded patriots. Secondly, the Anheuser-Busch VP is saying, VP of Bud Light is saying, you must go to the public spaces and you must give up your freedom to resist what the woke ESG marketing VP is saying to you. You are male cavemen. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? How she insults the customers and calls them frat boys or fratty. Did you catch that in the, in the piece? Fratty. In other words, that's a throwback to fraternities. Now, yes, fraternities do stupid things. Fraternities are known for hazing. Fraternities have done unconscionable things, uh, forcing the, uh, the young, uh, pledges to do some outrageous things. And, uh, sometimes there's even been loss of life. Now that we can condemn. That is wrong. But just to call uh, men in general, just to call consumers of Bud Light in general fratty and to diss your customer base, well, yeah, she should take a course in Marketing 101. You don't blow up your repeat customers. You don't insult them. Why? Because the customer is always right. You should listen to your customer and you should pay attention to what your customer is saying. So this is what is being pushed by Anheuser-Busch. They're telling their customers, you need to step into the 21st century and agree with the brilliant, genius New York ad agency executives who are selling this steaming pile of boop and trying to shove this nonsense into your brains. Yeah, you need to agree with them. Well, hey, folks, I'm saying it's not going to work. Anheuser-Busch is going to lose millions and are already, we're hearing reports that because of all these canceled accounts all across America, actually across the flyover states, across the middle of America, the heartland America, you know, they're, they're still probably going to drink Bud Light in New York and in California and in Seattle, Washington. You know, knock yourself out. You know, put that skirt around the beer can and hoist one, hoist a cold one for the gals. Um, not me. I'm not interested. This is not communist China. We don't operate under this Chinese social credit system. Men aren't interested in listening to a fake man in a skirt with ugly makeup promoting beer. Anheuser-Busch is going to get a lesson on how capitalism works. Mm -hmm. 
Well, here's our final thoughts for today's program. This is a clash of two narratives. That's what's really going on here. This is a clash of two kingdoms. If you've got spiritual eyes or spiritual glasses, whatever metaphor you want to use, put on your spiritual glasses. This is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. No, I'm not trying to say that manly beers to be consumed in the kingdom of God. That's not my point, folks. Okay, Woo, that was a rabbit trail. Don't go down there. What I'm saying is that I'm making a much larger point. Men cannot turn into women. God created male and he created female. Okay, a man can't turn into a woman, period. Men can't have babies. They don't have uteruses, okay? It doesn't work that way, folks. God created man and he created woman and he created them perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. He created them in his image. There's a real devil. There's a real Satan. Satan is the deceiver, okay? This is what he does. His job is to confuse people. And oh, yeah, those students at San Francisco State University, they are confused. Satan, the devil, the deceiver, he wants to confuse young children. He also wants to confuse grown adults. Satan wants humans to call good evil and evil good. He wants us to capitulate and call a man a woman, and refer to the new trans beer queen as she. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. Dylan Mulvaney was born male, and God is still in control, and there's nothing Dylan can do to change his gender. Nothing he can put on makeup. He can grow his hair longer. He can prance around and hold a Barbie doll, but he still... You can't change your chromosomes, folks. You can't change them. He still is a male. And he still can't have a baby. He doesn't have a uterus, folks. No uterus. No babies. He doesn't have a monthly cycle. Doesn't work that way. Apparently, the geniuses in Bud Light marketing don't have a clue about basic biology. Huh. Well, they ought to take a class. They ought to take a class or have a nice conversation with their doctor. Well, the, well, not all doctors. Some doctors are nutters too. And they think that men can become women and women can become men. And we'll talk about that more in future episodes of Narrative Wars. Well, these same geniuses are about to have a very sobering reality check at Bud Light as it collapses, as Anheuser-Busch collapses and market share declines. Capitalism, folks, is a beautiful Thing. Well, that's our program, folks. Yeah, that's our program. We're wrapping it up for today. Hey, again, if you've enjoyed this, this uh, program, Narrative Wars, we're just kicking it off. Please be a part of what's happening here. If you are pushing against and pushing back against the mainstream merit narrative, which is what we do at this program, if you're saying no, if you're saying hell no, to the nonsense that they're trying to shove down our brains, be a part of this movement, be a part of our program. If you've enjoyed this program, please five-star and rate and follow and tell a like-minded friend. Until next time, fellow lovers of liberty, may the Lord bless you and keep you. We the people are sick and tired. 
so tired